the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Wednesday, November 9th, 2022. I am Seth Liebson. Probably going to say a few things a little controversial here with or for you. So uh, feel free to give us a call or add to anything you'd like. 602-508-0960. There seems to be a looking down at the shoes and a down in the mouth attitude among a lot of Republicans on social media and regular media today. Stop it. It's not as decisive a victory nationally as we hoped, to be sure, but we did really well. It looks like we took the House of Representatives. We have a shot still at the U.S. Senate, a good shot. We retired Stacey Abrams, we retired Beto O'Rourke, and we retired Charlie Crist. We took out the head of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, We may have shifted the majority of Arizona's congressional delegation to majority Republican from majority Democrat. This is not a day for Democrats to cheer. This is a Republican day. While we're saying it's not as good as we hoped, this is important. They are saying it's not as bad as it looked. We're talking about levels of good. They're talking about levels of bad. Who would you rather be? A little perspective, a friend wrote me. He said, honestly, if this summer, this past summer, you said we'd lose the Senate or continue to be the minority in the Senate and yet win the House and that DeSantis and Governor Kemp and Abbott and Kerry Lake would all win, I'd have taken that in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. About a month ago, this is about what the sentiment was with serious questions about whether Kemp could do it. Well, we did. We did much better than that and potentially may do much, much better still. A few tentative thoughts on why we didn't sweep further to our level of expectation or prediction. If you followed the trends of the past year, year and a half, two years, there are a ton of Democrats. Think about Jennifer Say, formerly of Levi's, and Emily Burns, who we had on last week, who said again and again and again they would never vote for Democrats after what they did on covid From business shutdowns to school closings to vaccine and mask mandates to the manipulation and torture of our children. These are the cultural social issues of the day, or at least the past two years. The stuff Democrats left their part on our kids and censorship mandate issues. Candidates that spoke to those cultural issues seem to pick up votes and pick up those Democrats and do well. That is, of course, the story of Ron DeSantis. It is the story of Christy Noem. She won by four points in South Dakota four years ago. She won by nearly 30 points yesterday. Ron DeSantis won by less than 1% four years ago. He won by nearly 20 points yesterday. And, of course, Carrie Lake did the cultural issues, too, and it's looking like she's going to win. Candidates that listen to that constituency class argument, it's the economy, stupid. Well, if you just focus on that and if you just stick to the talking points, those consultants will continue to get paid 
and they'll continue to have clients, but they won't continue to get winning candidates. You think of cultural candidates for a moment in historical perspective. You think landslides for Ronald Reagan, who took a lot of and created the notion of Reagan Democrats. That was about cultural issues. George H.W. Bush got into office on Reagan's coattails and abandoned them. He derisively called them that vision thing, and it made him a one-term president against his wishes. His son ran on cultural issues and was a two-termer. 2016 also was a cultural campaign waged by Donald Trump, and it gave him Ohio and Michigan and Wisconsin. At some point, I would like it if the GOP generally understood this. Culture matters most. Or as Daniel Patrick Moynihan put it decades before Breitbart, culture is more important than politics. Ben Wattenberg put it that values matter most in a best-selling book. Ben Wattenberg liked to remind candidates, by the way, of a middle and ignored stanza in the song America the Beautiful. America, America, God, mend thine every flaw, confirm thy soul in self-control, thy liberty in law. Sounds exactly like what Hugh Hallman was talking about yesterday. Also, candidates that weren't afraid of the media and the critics did well. If you weren't afraid, you did well. Candidates that were too scripted and kept on to the talking points, they didn't. See again candidates like DeSantis and Kerry Lake. Winston Churchill once put it that it's awfully difficult to look up to someone when they have their ear to the ground, or to look up to someone who has their ear to the ground. As the shutdown, lockdown, mandate, school closures issues become further and further distant heading into 2024, it will be interesting to think about what the cultural issues going forward will or should be. Is the racialization and the transgendering and the sexualization of our children over? Those issues may or may not be. Not sure. Is abortion done? We shall see as the state legislatures take up the reform of their abortion laws now in the light of the Dobbs decision. I will submit the issue of illegal drugs and drug abuse is more present and important than only one other time in our history, and it's by, by and large ignored. Consider we are about only one point away from the high water mark of drug use in this country, the second highest point in over 40 years. Consider a rise of nearly 1,000 percent in drug poisoning deaths since we stopped efforting that issue. That needs to be taken on. And perhaps, too, if not racialization and sexualization of our children in schools, youth crime and education outcomes may come to the fore as important cultural issues to run on as well. In 1994, Newt Gingrich said, American civilization cannot survive with 12-year-olds having babies, 15-year-olds shooting one another, 17-year-olds dying of AIDS, and 18-year-olds graduating with diplomas they cannot read. Mutatis mutandis on a few of those related issues, like babies and AIDS, which might be replaced with sex issues or drugs, and you may see a needed recipe there. These are my initial observations, anyway. I now give you Steve Hayward's. For much of the year, this is Steve Hayward, he writes, for much of the year I had in the back of my mind the possibility that this midterm could be a rerun of the 1978 midterm, when Republicans also seemed to underperform in a very favorable political climate. Between Jimmy Carter's sagging approval, rising inflation, and the flood tide of the tax revolt in the wake of Proposition 13 in California that spring, Republicans should have done very well. Yet Republicans gained only 12 House seats and three Senate seats 
1978, bringing them to only 159 in the House and just 41 in the Senate. The ineptness of this party has almost no parallel in history, the head of the New Republic wrote. He said, the Democratic Party is still without any real opposition. Political scientist Nelson Polsby said the midterm election left Republicans no more than halfway back to where they have to get to be even minimally competitive. Michael Barone, who was more specific in his diagnosis, wrote, there can only be one reason for the Republicans' relatively poor showing in House races. They simply do not have enough good candidates. But Barone predicted that that would begin to change in the 1980s as the shadow of the Nixon years receded. The parallels are obvious, Hayward continues. Nixon's shadow was long gone by 1980, but Trump's shadow is still very much with us. In fact, Trump's late campaigning may have backfired on some Republicans, and he is the probably one who may have lost the most yesterday, which may not be entirely a bad thing. Candidate quality matters, after all, as it did in several winnable Senate races in 2010 that the GOP threw away. Some of the GOP losers were quite worthy, like Tiffany Smiley in Washington, though also a first-timer on the ballot. Turns out others just clearly were not, like Dr. Oz. The big winner yesterday is clearly Ron DeSantis. Back to me. And therein lies a tale. How come DeSantis and other Florida Republicans romped to victory while Republicans struggled most everywhere else? Maybe the fact that DeSantis has a strong record to run on and moreover is always on the attack. Maybe that helped. What was the general Republican issue message this year for the House? What was the general message for the House this year? Well, we mentioned it, and I know the House GOP put forward some kind of new contract with America, but did you ever hear about it? It was a mistake to think you can win by just not being the other guy. Anyway, I had put the over-under line for a winning presidential run DeSantis's margin of victory at 15%, and he won by 20. But the scene isn't entirely bleak. We remember what happened two years after that dismal 1978 midterm. And while Joe Biden has to be reckoned a big winner yesterday in some minds, it means in due course that the big loser was the Democratic Party. The dump Joe campaign is going to be put back in the deep freeze, and Biden is more likely to run again because of the election results as he sees them. And if Biden chooses not to run again on his own because of age or some other cause, Democrats are likely stuck with Kamala Harris, because anyone who challenges Kamala Harris will infuriate the identity identity politics base of the Democratic Party. If people that's that's a point I want to I want to seize on for a moment. If people in the Democratic Party are relishing a Trump DeSantis fight, let me tell you, it'll pale. It might pale in comparison to a Newsom Harris fight. It might very well. I can guarantee you that there are many old line Democrats who see secretly hoped Democrats would get crushed so they could ease Biden out and clean out the crazy progressives who have hijacked the party. Instead, Democrats are certain to take their relative lack of loss as evidence that there is nothing wrong with their message or their policies. Joe Biden said as much just this afternoon in a press conference right before we came on. He was asked what would he do differently. He said nothing. Let them persist in this view. In the meantime, Probably a lot more gridlock ahead. But as Stan Evans liked to say, gridlock is the next best thing to having constitutional government. Meantime, it's not all over yet. We are still counting here in Arizona and a few other places. And Georgia 
Georgia, Georgia, should be on all our minds. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. Let me know what you're thinking. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. I um, am leaving the lines open uh, for you today. I, I, I want to hear your perspective. Uh, you, you may not agree with me that 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 we should be uh, much more hopeful and much more optimistic and much more happy than so many of my fellow conservatives I'm hearing on TV and in the media. And uh, if I, if I'm if I'm if I'm wrong, you you let me know. I, I think when we're discussing our levels of how good we did and their discuss their their breathing sighs of relief of they didn't do as bad as they thought. I I want to be on the good side, not the bad side, and we're on the good side here. But you tell me if I'm mischaracterizing it and miscasting it. I still think we have a lot work to do, but things are looking very good. I think things are looking very good for the congressional delegation here. Uh, I think things are looking really good for um, an increase in the seat in the uh, in the seats of the House of Representatives from a, ma- a small majority to a to a slightly bigger majority. And I think we have a real shot at the Senate. I think the Democrats are going to sweat that Senate think out just as much as we are, which is good. No one was talking about sweating out the Senate three months ago or even two months ago. Uh, Rob is in surprise. Hello, Rob. Hi, Beth. Um, yeah, interesting day yesterday. Um, one one thing. Well, there's a couple of things that I, I think about. One is uh, how helpful, useful, and how much money was provided to Republican candidates by the RNC, Ronna McDaniel. Uh, were they helpful or not? If not, she still needs to go. And then, you know, as always, I, I like to find out that one thing that nobody ever talks about, which is, you know, following the money. Where did the money come from for those winners? Uh, on the Democrat side and how much and whether, you know, because money is the big influence, I think, more than a lot of people realize. Now, you can correct me if I'm wrong, um, but I think there's there's definitely a difference in funding uh, Republican candidates versus Democrat candidates. And I think the Democrats apparently are, you know, getting money, especially from out of state, more than from in the state that they're uh, running for office for, and um, and I don't disagree with your assessment either. By the way, I think I think there's uh, a lot to be reasonably optimistic about. Um, I'm I'm optimistic about the House majority uh, and the Senate. I mean, we may end up Herschel Walker may end up being the deciding uh, vote, but that's not till December. Um, so. I don't know. I, I just wonder. Yeah, it's still before January. It's still, <laughs> right? It's yeah, still before guess, the new yeah. Senate comes into office. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. 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 So that, yeah, that'll yeah. work. Yeah. But I, I think there, you know, there's, there's probably, and I, I don't know if anybody's done statistics on something like this, you know, the, the amount of money, uh, brought in, uh, to each, well, especially the swing states, as they call them, mm-hmm. um, uh, how much money is going towards Democrats in swing states. Uh, where it's coming from, uh, how much, yeah. uh, versus the Republican money coming or any assistance. Yeah, no, well, from. yeah, sure. Uh, money, money is not decisive, but man, it's better to have it than not. Um, it, mm-hmm. I, I can point to a lot of races where the victor was outspent. Uh, Donald Trump, for sure, in 2016 would be one example. There are many places here 
Um, it was the case uh, anyway. I, I can go through a bunch. Debbie Lesko in her in her special election was outspent um, by three other candidates and, and could win. Uh, you think about you think about how close the um, Kelly Masters race is. Mark Kelly Blake Masters. Right. It's 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 it's, it's right now. It's it's favoring Mark Kelly. But look how competitive it is for Blake Masters being outspent something like seven to one, uh, 70 million yeah. to 10 million, if my if my ratios are correct. I mean, th- think about that and the onslaught. Mm. And so, yeah, it's 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 absolutely crucial, of course, um, not not always decisive. I don't know of a much better idea i don't have a good concept rob of how to deal with the out-of-state money thing the truth is without out-of-state money blake would have had a lot less than what he had (laughs) and 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 it and it turns on an issue of you know freedom of speech as well i've always thought campaign money was equivalent to uh freedom of speech i think the supreme court agrees with me on that um so what i would like to see is something where candidates who are funded by special interests or particularly out-of-state special interests, I'd like to see their opponents make a bigger deal out of it for precisely the reason that you called. It kind of matters to people. It kind of matters. It kind of makes one raise their eyebrows when they see that someone's opponent is raising a lot of money from special interests out-of-state. It's totally legal. But I think candidates need to make bigger issues of it. I'm not sure if I'm answering your question. Yeah, and in a way you are. And I think you know you, you even pointed out the best example being the Kelly Masters uh, 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 competition. Um, because, you know, if Blake's being outspent seven to one, uh, and again, I don't know if you or, look or look at Carrie like Lake, Karen Robeson. I mean, I mean, there was you, well, you know, right? I mean, Carrie, yeah. Carrie Lake was way outside. So it's money. not always determinative or decisive. It's good to have, but it's not the be all and it's not the final say. And and the message that the Republicans should be getting out obviously yeah. doesn't get covered by the press. Yeah, right, issue. right. You have to go over the heads of the press, and you need money to do that quite often. Yeah, <laughs> that's a yeah. fair point. I'm not – yeah, I know there are these proposed ideas here and there, and you didn't do it, Rob, but I know that some people propose that there should be no out-of-state money. I just don't think that's constitutional. And I also don't think – you know, James Madison said we're partly federal, partly national. I don't think – in this day and age, we can tell Americans in one part of the country that they can't help try to influence legislation that does affect the rest of the country, but is taking place in another state. I do think it's a serious First Amendment protected, seriously, uh, seriously First Amendment protected issue of free speech. All right. Uh, we've got a bunch of calls and room for more. We'll get right to them when we come right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Hearing from uh, anything you want to say about what transpired over the last uh, day or so and uh, what's going to be coming in the next couple of days or so. Anything on your mind, feel free to uh, weigh in. We uh, have our lines uh, almost all full, but room for more, 602-508-0960. Tony's in Scottsdale. Hello, Tony. Uh Hello, Seth. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. So uh, I, I I didn't see any of the down ballot results. 
How is uh, how is uh, Rachel Mitchell, Matt Grass, Maria Sims, Nancy Barter? Do you know how they're doing? Yeah, I was just looking. Faring? Rachel's doing fine. I think that's that's in the that's uh, you know at the risk of uh, at the risk of overstating it. I think I think Rachel's is Rachel's doing just fine. Uh, I think Nancy and Maria have a little bit of a hill to climb, and I think Matt Gress is doing just fine. Okay, uh, so uh, just a couple of other comments. So with with uh, with the 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 Senate race, uh, you know, for Blake Masters, it was going to be an uphill climb uh, against Mark Kelly. Not not that I'm a not that I'm a fan of Mark. No, Kelly, I understand. But, you know, I get it. Get I get it. We're anal- an- yeah. analyzing, not uh, yeah, not endorsing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. right. And and, and I, so I, I was I was actually I, I told you this before. I was pulling for Jim Lehman. I thought he would have matched up better, but or even Mick McGuire. But it, it is what it is. And then uh, now the other thing, I am a little bit. I do think that Carrie Lake is going to pull it out once once the. Once the final voting day tally all, comes all, in, all the all the win. expectation that I can see is that that is correct. Yeah, Carrie, I think Carrie wins. Yeah. Now, now I just have to tell you. I mean, I I, I heard her speak a couple of times. And she's just such an impressive yeah. candidate, yeah. and uh, and you know, and and she, you know, and, and she's such a fighter. I do have to tell you, I'm, I'm I don't know. I I thought for sure she was going to win by like about eight or ten points. Yeah. Um, I, I am disappointed about that. Is do you think it's because of again? I'm in the construction business. Sure. Do you think it's because of a lot of the Californians coming over here? What do you think the reason is? Well, I don't exactly know for sure, but I think it's part and parcel of the shifting landscape that I have been. Sadly, I think correct. Unless I, I think I'm sadly correct about what I'm about to say. I heard echoes of this in Dennis Prager's show today too, which is we are. We as Republicans and we as conservatives are more convinced that more people support our views than actually do Uh, that, you know, uh, the way I have put it is when you think about what we're up against in the culture generally and in the elite world generally, when you think about all the news media, almost all 95 percent of the news media, you think about 95 percent of our education institutions, you think about the entertainment industry, you think about professional sports, you think about the C-suites of most corporations, all liberal left, all of them, sometimes you have to step back and be amazed that a Republican can win anywhere, anytime. Um, once yeah, in a while, no, well, you, but, you, but, you know, take yeah. the education thing for a moment. I mean, this is why the Arizona women of action were so good and effective in fielding their candidates for school boards. You know, when you step back and think about the crud that goes on in our education system, and I don't just mean our colleges and universities, but primary and elementary, uh, you know, K through 12, um, we have now gone on a, a 30 plus year run of graduating millions and millions of students each year from high schools and colleges, all steeped in socialism. I mean, even if you are a a STEM-type major, an engineering-type or a a science-type major, you take a poli-sci or a history or a literature course, it's it's nine out of ten chances it's going to be taught by a socialist leftist Marxist. That is going to right. – now, 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 we do six million graduates a year, rough, give or take. Three million high school, three million college students. You multiply that by 30 years, it's not maybe the center-right country we think or we try and convince ourselves that it is. I, I, that's where I'm at, Tony. Right. Well, I, I think it's a really good point. I, I just – you know, for for me, you know, being 
being in engineering and business, uh, we, you know, I, I swim in a certain pool yep. with a certain certain clientele of people, and, and, and I guess to me, it just seems so logical. I the, know. The changes that we need to make, but I, know. But, uh, I, I know. guess. Uh, but I, guess, I know. But to you, lot, it does, and to me, it does. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but we are outvoted, perhaps, or outweighed by six million graduates every single year, never mind the entire sets of industries we're mentioning. I mean, look at what the general of the Joint Chiefs of Staff says. I mean, who thought who thought that the military would sound like Harvard sociology? But that's, you know, that's a country we have to recognize that we do exist in and we have to figure out how to deal with it. That's what I think explains why we're not winning by six and eight and ten points. I'm Seth Leibson. Thanks, Tony. 602-5080-960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. If you're concerned with stock market volatility, my friends at Y-Refi are offering up an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that is not correlated to the stock market, a portfolio where you'll know what each monthly statement will look like with no surprises. You can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you choose. And there is no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. Your interest is compounded daily, you are paid monthly, and there are no fees. This is a secure collateralized portfolio that delivers a high fixed interest rate of up to 10.25% rate of return. That's right, 10 and a quarter percent. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm, and you can check them out at investyrefi.com. The word invest, the letter Y, then R-E-F-Y.com, or give them a call at 888-Y-Refi-34, 888-Y-Refi-34. That's investyrefi.com or 888-Y-Refi-34. My number, 602-508-0960. I want to take in anything and everything you guys are thinking. Steve in Phoenix. Hello, Steve. Hi, Seth. Thanks for letting me on. Uh, the smartest show on radio. Oh. Sadly, we lost Rush. Oh, thank you. <laughs> That's a big shoe to fill. Big shoes to fill. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, I'm listening to... This and I've been listening to everything talk and people talk about Florida. I'm a old Florida transplant, and there's something that I don't hear anybody talking about. And it was also true in the 20 election, and that is that all of Florida election law and process has changed after Bush v. Gore. Okay, and the Democrats and the Republicans both work together to tighten that up. And Florida has the most secure, most accurate elections of any state in the country post-Bush v. Gore. Uh And Florida elections look different in 20 and now, and I can't help but think that some of it has to do with the fact that they are are solid, because Florida demographically is is almost a mirror image of the country in terms of education, in terms of, of proportions and locations in urban and suburban and education That's level. a fair point. That's and, a good point. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, I just don't hear anybody talking about that Florida has tight, secure, really un- as uncheatable as you can get elections. I just haven't heard anybody talk about that. Yeah, nor have I. Nor have I until your call, Steve. And it's something I plan to look into uh, now that you mention it. 
You know, <laughs> there's so many things we're saying. Let's look to how Florida's doing it. Let's look to how Governor Ron DeSantis is doing it. Let's add their election system. I fine. I it's it's clear. It's clear that ours is at, at a minimum confusing, with a lot of seeming incompetence and maybe worse. It's clear. I mean, it's it it just happens every single time now, routinely. Uh, we switch out county recorders, it happens. We switch out county recorders again, it happens. We switch out secretaries of state, it happens. It's clear we have problems. And and I, I all I can say is thank you for the advice and the tip, and I'll, I'll see what I can find out about it. Thanks for the great show, Seth. Yeah, you betcha. Thanks for your nice call and certainly your tremendous compliment. Uh, Nick is in Buckeye. Hello, Nick. Hey, Seth. Since I'm not very smart, but I'd call the smartest guy on radio. <laughs> I, I would deny both statements, but go ahead, Nick. Um, so I have a question. So when a um, governor decides to run for president, he's got to leave his governor job. Here in this state, Katie Hobbs is secretary of state. Why is she allowed to stay in that position and probably the most important position during an election. Yeah. And run for government. Yeah, I've gotten a few of these questions. We're talking about, uh, I think colloquially it's known as a resign-to-run law that certain states have. We have a version of it um, that didn't kick in, I think, uh, given the tenure. So if you think about it, um, we've had examples, other examples. So uh, off the top of my head, Mark Burnovich was attorney general while running for Senate, right? He didn't have to resign to do that. Uh, when Greg Stanton ran for Congress the first time, he stayed as mayor and and uh, waged his campaign for the Congress uh, from his office as mayor. Um, uh, it, it just depends on the state. It just depends on the state. There are, you know, regardless of the law, there are moral pressures one can one can impose you think about some examples, like, for instance, when Bob Dole, are you remember old enough to remember 96, Bob Dole ran for president. Oh, yeah. um, he he not only resigned his leadership in the Senate, he resigned his Senate seat, not because he had to, but because he thought that sent a strong signal of commitment to what he was doing. And And I think more moral pressure ought to be put on candidates to do just that, to do just that, not only because of the appearances of conflict, not only because of the potentials of conflict, but I think it sends a commitment to the voters. Um, you see in these debates and sometimes press Q&As with candidates or incumbent candidates that if they win, do they promise that they will you know, serve out their last you know, serve out the full term? I think I think Carrie Lake got a question like this just yesterday. Uh, and she's uh, I think it was from a CBS reporter. And and she said, I will be the next governor and I will be the next governor for eight years and I will be your worst nightmare because I'm going to make you guys do journalism again. I loved it. I loved it. Um, so but so you do get these questions about commitment. But, yeah, it just it's going to vary from state to state. Um, and uh, they're known as resigned to run laws. And, and the way Arizona's was structured, um, you know, Brnovich could do what he did. Stanton could do what he did. And. um Katie Hobbs could do what she did. Yeah, it's just a conflict of interest in this particular, um, the, her particular position. And I mean, Secretary of State, they, they're like, you know, big part of uh, the election. Yeah, I was talking with, um, I think uh, yesterday, yeah, it was yesterday we had Shauna on. 
uh, and we were looking at uh, we were talking about the goings on with the election uh, oddities yesterday. And our state law, evidently, I'm no expert at this by a very, 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 very long shot. In fact, I probably know less than 99 percent of Arizonans about this stuff. Um, election procedure law. I'm just it's just not something I'm 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 smart on. But what Shauna was telling us is a lot of those efforts, a lot of those on the ground election efforts uh, and activities have been shifted to county recorders. So, yeah, it's a it's a bit of a blend between the county uh, and the county supervisors, I should add, county supervisors and county recorders. So it's a bit of a blend between the secretary of state and that um, the secretary of state certainly puts out the voter manual. And that that's its own big. Pro- I mean, we have a lot of problems to tackle the way we're, yeah. the way propositions are worded, the way those voter guides are worded. Uh, we have a lot of stuff to tackle. Um, and but I take your sentiment. And if nothing else, it certainly has the appearance. It certainly has the appearance of a conflict of interest, if not the appearance of of an impropriety. Um, and 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 and, you know, I, it's something that the state legislature is going to you know, have to take up if we're going to change it. They're yeah. The, they're the only and, ones that can. And going back to the gentleman that just was talking about Florida. Yeah. And this is real quick. Uh, Rubio put out a, um, uh, a tweet saying, how come if Florida can count 7 million votes in five hours, how, why can't every other, why is it? Okay. I can answer every- that one a little better. <laughs> I think it okay. may not satisfy you. I can, I think I can do that a little better. But I am hitting a break, so bear with me, and I'll do that on the other side of this break, okay? I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Gold has been used as money for nearly 3,000 years, and today it still remains a common-sense investment that's simple and straightforward. You don't need a pushy commission salesman to tell you why you should buy gold. You already want it. All you need is a reputable dealer with advice based on experience and a complete range of bullions and coins so you get what you want at the best value. That's Midas Gold Group. Veteran-owned, veteran staff, Midas Gold Group, proud supporter of this show and this station. They are fighting for your right to financial privacy and stability that gold offers. Trust the dealer that I, Seb Gorka, and thousands of our listeners already know, Midas Gold Group. Visit them in person at 625 West Deer Valley Road in Phoenix or give them a call at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. Or visit them online at MidasGoldGroup.com, MidasGoldGroup.com. Question from the previous uh, segment from a caller, uh, a version of I, – I didn't see the, the tweet he was referring to, but a version of how come uh, some – or how come other states or some other states – uh, can have their answers so much uh, more quickly than than we seem to, and uh, is 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 that a bug in our system? There are bugs in our system. Here's here's what I understand, and we'll have our election attorney Brett Johnson on uh, in the next hour, in the four o'clock hour. I'll, I'll, we'll put that to him as well. My understanding is this: having grown up here and then left uh, after high school, and having returned here uh, about a decade ago. Um, I remember we seem to have gotten results, you know, that night as well. But by the time we went to sleep, it's a it's a little bit of a misperception. The counting continued. What what those results were was the AP or a media organization declaring a winner based on 
you know, a, an overwhelming, evidently victorious candidate. Um, the candidates' races weren't as close as they are now. I mean, take a look right now at your AG race or your governor's race or uh, Juan Siscomani's race for Congress, some other races, Schweikert's. They're, they're such a hair's breadth. They're, they're within the narrow 1% margin. By contrast, you know, Ron DeSantis won by 20 uh, percent it's it or by yeah 20 points it's not it's not a close call so the counting always did continue um it's not as if it was 19 when i was here in 19 what 84 86 88 uh, it was gone by 88 but it's not as if the counting stopped that night and we were all good the counting went on it was just so clearly evident that the race could be called by the media the candidate could declare himself or herself victorious and the other candidate could concede based on what had come in what the patterns were looking like and their overwhelming show of victory uh i hope that helps answer the question but i'll put it to brett johnson to make sure i'm getting it close to right i'm seth liebson room for more 602-508-0960 i'd love to know what you're thinking i would love to know up, down, and different, you name it. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.